Welcome to the third episode of Under the Bubble, a show bringing you into conversation with the people of Princeton's campus. This week's episode looks at how two students have handled their adjustment to a coronavirus-induced semester online. Late at night, on Sunday, March 8th, the administration published a webpage addressing the coronavirus outbreak that was subsequently taken down. It was later confirmed by university spokespeople that this page was accidentally published too soon with unfinalized plans. The next morning, the page was published on the website again, this time confirming the news that classes would be moved online following spring break until at least April 5th. On Wednesday, March 11th, just two days later, Dean of the College Jill Dolan announced that those online classes would continue for the rest of the semester, and students who were able to move home were expected to do so. Naturally, this decision evoked a variety of reactions from the student body. Anna Macknick, a junior in the linguistics department, wasn't as shocked as most when the Wednesday announcement came out. I, I think like the first announcement, which was an accident announcement, when they updated the website, I was working on a paper, and the comedy of it just really struck me. It just kind of sort of tone that the university wasn't very coordinated in their response. When asked whether she thought the university had done a sufficient job of securing housing for students who needed it most, Anna was blunt. No. Um, I think that for some people it worked out. I know of people who were able to appeal and were able to end up staying on campus, but I also have friends, even just hearing stories of people, even if you go on higher confessions, there's posting about the toxic uh, home situations that they're in now. And it's just so frustrating that those people weren't given the opportunity to stay on campus and have a better environment. The criteria that needed to be met for students to remain on campus were strict. Only those with extenuating circumstances, generally students at risk of housing insecurity, were able to remain. Due to the narrow definition of who needed to stay on campus for their well-being, Anna believes that the selection process was opaque, and failed students who had to return home to unsafe environments. I think one big issue was with deciding who got to stay on campus and who didn't. I'm grateful that they minimum had a process for students to petition to stay on campus, but it definitely left out a lot of people. There were, you know, people who really needed to be able to stay because, you know, maybe they have an abusive household, especially like LGBT students. I know that that was a really big concern for some people. And it was just also not very clear on who was making these decisions, who decided what financial need was, uh, housing insecurity. There was a lack of transparency in a lot of ways. With the intense code of conduct that the university has established for those remaining on campus, students have been going about their day with an added dose of paranoia that they may break one of these rules simply by not paying enough attention. Sometimes I'll, I'll run into a friend and we'll be talking and they'll be like, oh wait, are we fully six feet apart? Is someone watching us? What if a PSA officer comes by? Even if we're taking precautions, it's still in the back of my mind always. And students have reason to be on edge. According to an email from Vice President for Campus Life, Rochelle Calhoun, public safety has had an increased presence on campus to make sure students are abiding by the strict rules. There's an email where Calhoun said that their presence will be increased. Um, not clear if that's just because like there's less students on campus and they're maintaining the full amount of PSAFE workers. I've also seen them in hallways, and I don't think I've ever really seen them walk around hallways before. As a student with disabilities, the switch to online classes has actually been an improvement to Anna's accommodations in some ways. For me and for my needs, um, it's been pretty seamless. If anything, it's been 
easier for me to be going to classes because it's all online, so it's, I don't have to worry about, like, do I have the energy to go? Unfortunately, it's taken a pandemic for many people to realize what people with certain disabilities go through every day. A lot of the things that people are kind of adapting to now are things that a lot of disabled folks have already had to adapt to. It's just frustrating. As a junior midway through the semester, Anna had already made significant progress on her independent work, progress that had to be abandoned. My JP actually is, is dead. Um, I was originally looking at protactile sign language, which is a sign language that deafblind folks use. Uh, it's basically like a physical adaptation of American Sign Language. It's entirely about touch. We were going to um, collect data, and basically that's very clearly not possible to a language that's inherently about physical touch is very difficult to get the university's approval of when we are in this pandemic so <laughs> i will be restarting a new project in spite of all the changes and transition anna has a fair amount of hope that things can eventually return to normal but she remains realistic about how long it may take especially when considering the perspectives of princeton administration on the matter so, I mean, obviously I hope that things can be back to normal, an adjusted normal. That said, I have had some conversations with admins and staff who are, who are looking into the possibility of moving some orientation events or other things like that online. It's a big question mark. I don't know. While the student body as a whole was affected by the sudden move to online classes, one group was hit particularly hard, the class of 2020. Seniors this year faced abrupt cancellations to their thesis research and post-thesis celebrations, and they still have no official word on commencement. For Marshall Schaffer, a senior in the anthropology department, the March 11th announcement was a rude awakening from his thesis grind. One week, I'm grinding hard on my thesis, writing 55 pages within a matter of three days, and then the next week, life happens. To process the shocking news, Marshall and his friends coped in the best way they knew how, screaming at midnight on Poe Field. We were the group at Poe Field that was actually disbanded by cops. We weren't the ones setting off the fireworks. And I, I personally love seeing the fireworks because in the, in the midst of like something so socially up disruptive, more disruption that is a little more artistic and more disruption that causes social gathering feels necessary. Some seniors have been faced with the inability to complete necessary lab research for their theses. Thankfully, Marshall's thesis on cultures within horror movies is just as doable from home. The thesis part has been almost like the study break from the real academic work because I need isolation to do thesis work. Beyond academics, Marshall's involvement on campus lied primarily in the performing arts. I danced in a lot of groups, choreographed a lot of musicals for student groups. I was in the senior dance show for the dance department, and I was a part of um, a play that was going to go up in May. But that Thursday, I realized that technically Hotel and Fremont, my senior thesis, was the last artistic project that I would be involved in during my time. Although his extracurriculars and performances were forced to come to an abrupt end, it's the smaller parts of Marshall's campus life that he's become nostalgic for. One thing that I really miss, though, the Wawa run. Can't believe that I'm now missing out on my barbecue chicken quesadillas. 
when things were rough, it was a nightly thing for me to always just have that. But now when I'm feeling in the dumps or stuff, it's like, where can I go? Despite spending most of his breaks in New York, Marshall decided to spend the rest of the semester with family elsewhere, and with good reason. I chose to get out and go to Houston. Houston, at the time when I came here, it probably had 70 cases versus New York City, which was terrifying. Like most students whose lives have been disrupted by the pandemic, Marshall's biggest concern is not knowing where we go from here. It's the uncertainty of when this will end because, you know, you see all these reports of being, of being like, hey, if people actually stayed home, then this will clear up quicker. March 11th to now has felt like the longest 21 days of my life. Whatever the case, Princeton students have already shown a great deal of resilience in coping with the unexpected and oftentimes daunting events of this semester and we'll continue to support each other as we look for a return to normalcy in the hopefully near future. This episode of Under the Bubble was produced by Katie Heinzer and Isabel Rodriguez under the 144th Managing Board of the Prince. For The Daily Princetonian, I'm Mark Dodici. Have a wonderful week.